0: I'm your host, David Frost. This is my strategic forecast where you get common sense market analysis. Today is Tuesday, May 28, 2019. We're looking at a daily chart of the SPY or Spider which is the proxy for the S&P 500. Welcome back from the three-day long weekend. Let's recap exactly what happened, where we are, where we're going. We'll do a short recap, and then we'll spend, obviously, more time on where we're going. So we had the top on May 1st. We came down. We bantered back and forth. We're underneath the 50 and 20 period Moving Average Trend Lines. We've discussed this for the last several trading sessions. We see the 20 period moving average beginning to slope down and cross over the 50 period moving average. And net net is it should come as no surprise that we are in a sell the rip market. We've discussed this countless times. Each and every rally that we experience is designed to be sold into because prices will go lower. So as an example, for argument's sake, today the market actually started to try and put in some positive behavior. It tried to have, at least in the morning, a positive day. We could have traded higher. We could have filled a gap. They could have, over the next trading session, two or three, come into the convergence of the moving averages. But at the end of the day, what happened is, price was rejected, and interestingly enough, Price was rejected at a very specific area that members from inside the numbers were privy to before the market even opened this morning. We knew exactly where the early morning resistance was likely to be. We knew if they began getting over that price level, and that happened to be right around 284. So where's 284? Let's identify 284. I switched over to an intraday 10-minute chart. 284 is the horizontal trend line. Here's the close from last week. Here's the opening from today, the 28th. And you can see what happened. We traded right up into a little bit of a spike through 284. And the rest is history. Now, on the way back down, again, inside the numbers, members had their bogeys on the way down. We knew where the likely support areas were going to be. If price was to break a certain support area, we look to the next important number. This is all from inside the numbers. It's all laid out. Best I can do every single morning, all the important numbers are laid out. Stocks on the move, gap trades, the whole kitten caboodle. Where do we go from here? Let's go back to the daily chart. By the way, before we do, this is for the skeptics out there. There's your ES 2840, your SPY $284. This was posted probably about 8 45 AM Eastern Standard Time this morning. We go to the midday market notes. The market ran up to test 2840. It failed, came back down slightly below, and around the flat line. That was around the time that this was posted but what we know is when we see the other indices that we follow and track on an each and every day all day basis when they begin getting weaker and weaker and weaker throughout the day and we'll discuss more about that and we'll look at these as we always do but as they begin getting weaker and weaker throughout the trading day what's the likely story Is the major market, is the S&P going to get weaker or is it going to likely turn around and go in the other direction as everything else? Well, the answer is obvious. I'm not trying to be Captain Obvious. I'm just trying to point out that sometimes what appears to be just is. We don't have to overanalyze it. We don't have to read into it. We don't have to look for reasons why we might be wrong. Sometimes it just is right in front of our face. By the way, real quick, since we're on the page, we'll take a look at the morning gap trade opportunities. One hit its price level, the other did not. And then we had stocks on the move, and we actually had three out of five hit their price target or price objective. We'll take a look at those trades, too. They're a little bit quirky, at least a couple of them. But we'll look at the charts, and there's a learning opportunity because we'll understand why certain trades can be taken, and why certain trades should be avoided based on the criteria that happened at the time. So we'll turn it into a learning opportunity. Why not? Let's wrap up the daily chart of the SPY, and then we'll move along to look at some other things to get our puzzle pieces begin to assembled in the right order. So let's just say for argument's sake that... We don't need this line anymore. That was from an intraday perspective. Let's just say... That the market didn't turn around and just head north tomorrow. We have a huge gap higher. We trade through the moving averages and we're on to make new highs. Let's just say that didn't happen. And let's say we actually did get lower prices. Where is the likely and the obvious area of support? One might think the 100 period moving average right around 278 and a half would be it. And they would be fairly close to being right. But here's the deal. So now we've hovered above these moving averages for three days this time and we really hovered above them trading away from them but coming back toward them ever since we made this low which happened to be on the 13th of May. So these moving averages are becoming less and less important as they would have once been had we come straight into them for example on the 13th or around that time. The fact is we stopped short And now we've basically bantered back and forth above the moving averages, in my opinion, diminishing the importance of the moving averages. However, that doesn't mean that price can't stop at the moving averages. What it means is they're not, to me, as important as they would have been on the first shot down had we not traded away and rallied away from them first. I want to make sure that we have a complete understanding of what we're discussing here. So what I'm saying is that we're in a sell the rip market. And when I say that, I'm not willing to take more than an intraday, either scalp trade or day trade on the long side of the market. I'm less likely willing to hold trades for overnight or multiple days until we get to. Much better areas of support than we are now. I'm not saying we can't rally tomorrow and the next couple of days. Of course we can. Remember, the bulls aren't going to give up the ghost that easy under normal circumstances. Guess what? We've already come down once to test these lows. So the low that was made on the 13th was pseudo-tested on the 23rd. Now here we are again right around those lows. Now here's... The specifics, the low is actually 279.93. The low today was 280.13. There's a big fat round number of 280. What are the likely scenarios? We can gap below everything and keep going. That would be known as a gap and go. So let's say for argument's sake, the market opens poorly tomorrow. We gap below the moving averages. That's a gap and go. That's a problem market. We're looking into the green zone if that happens. The green zone would be an area based on current market conditions in real time, of course. But the green zone, the top end is 274, the lower end is 270.50. The green zone is where I'm expecting the market to get a pretty significant rally away from that green zone up in the northern direction. It all depends on how we get there. It all depends on when we get there. If we get there anytime soon, I'm likely going to be right. If we hover and we creep down there, all bets are off. We're going to have to change the tune. Remember, we don't necessarily like creeping markets. In fact, today was somewhat of a creeping market. When you look at the intraday chart, now here's a 15-minute chart for no reason other than it's a 15-minute chart. You can see what happened. Once we started to break down and we broke below the morning lows, we basically just melted away all day until the very end of the day Between 3.30 and 4 o'clock, the selling accelerated, but this was a melt-away, not really giving any traders any kind of significant rally whatsoever in the meantime. And what else is interesting, I flip back to the daily chart, what else is interesting is the volume was still even light today. We were less than the average daily volume, today coming in at about 64 million shares still below the average 90-day volume. So here's what I'll say about that. We did not have heavy institutional participation on the sell side today. Doesn't mean it's not coming to a chart near you soon, but we didn't have it today. I think it's noteworthy. That's about it. That's all I wanted to mention about that. Remember, price is the absolute arbiter. We're knocking on the door of the double bottom once again for the third time Is it going to hold? Are we going to turn around and rally? Or is this going to break? And if it breaks, then it's my contention that the selling will actually accelerate to the downside. Remember from last Thursday's video, and this is where we were on Thursday, this is the 23rd. We use the term teetering. So the market up in this neighborhood is teetering on the side of having accelerated selling to the downside. So either the bulls are going to rescue the market once again, or they're going to give up the ghost, the bears are going to take the ball, and they're going to haul ass downfield. And if they haul ass downfield, whether that's tomorrow or between the next two to four or five days, whatever it is, if they come into this area sooner than later, it's my contention is, you're likely to see a pretty decent rally in the northern direction. But again, those decisions are made in real time. Camp IWM, my favorite market-leading indicator, and here again does not disappoint. So you can see that the IWM looks distinctly different from the SPY. It's a much tighter bear flag pattern, if you will, and it's actually making a second bear flag pattern. So... We can make a case right here that we had a down move here and a flag pattern here that is now breaking in the next move to the downside, but we're getting another flag pattern. We'll see if we just get accelerated selling, or will they banter back and forth a few more times up in this range and then break down? We'll see, but now we're below all the moving averages. The IWM is leading to the downside. Let me take a pause here, and once again, thank everybody for participating, making comments and posts underneath the video each and every night. I love the interaction, and you know how I especially love the banter back and forth. In addition, if it's worthy, but only if it's worthy, hit the thumbs up button on the video, and then go ahead and share the video with anybody that you think can benefit from this information. A little late today, but back to business anyway. So to me, the IWM is telling a story. This is a picture. They're all puzzle pieces. The puzzle pieces equal a picture. The IWM is definitely a puzzle piece. It's always on the table. And the picture that it's drawing is the market is weak. It's not a surprise. We knew the market was going to be weak coming into this time zone. The market is weak. And the question that comes next is, where's the bottom? How much longer is this going to last? And here's what I'll say about that. And while we discuss that, we'll talk about the VIX in a moment, but keep in mind that when we talk about the VIX, we haven't seen a real heavy spike this time around in the VIX, which means we haven't seen heavy institutional selling, which means we haven't seen any kind of panic selling whatsoever. Will we? We'll see. My contention is we will, therefore, that's the accelerated selling that I was referencing before. If the IWM does break down, you're probably not going to have a whole lot of support until you get to about 145. We'll use 145 as the number, I'll make it an even 145, and we'll leave it at that. Here's a chart of the VIX, so I think this is worth digging into a little bit. We've been watching the VIX. We've been discussing the fact that if the VIX got into the mid to low 14s, it would be a buying opportunity. Where did the VIX get to last week after we said that? Well, if we move the chart over, you'll see the low here on the 22nd was 1442. So the VIX did get into the low 14s, now sitting at 1750. So I'll make this case and I'll say that the VIX. Obviously, the mirror image of the S&P and the other major indices is essentially making an ABC pattern. So your A leg was up here. Here's the A leg. And the B leg is down in a corrective nature. And the C leg would complete only upon breaching the high of the A leg. Doesn't mean it can't go a lot higher, but that's what this looks like to me. And why do I bring that up? Because whatever I see as the first thing that pops into my mind, and you all know about that, being in my mind is a dangerous place. The first thing that pops into my mind is generally the thing that's going to work out 8 out of 10 times. That's just the way it is. A lot of that comes from being a visual person. I see things from a visual perspective. And I think most people see things from a visual perspective. So when I put together the numbers the data the visual perspective I know two things looking at the VIX chart if I'm right and this takes off to the upside we're getting a lot lower prices in the stock market and if I'm wrong I'm going to know I'm wrong if the VIX gets down back below this 50 period moving average, for argument's sake, we'll call it around 14 and a half. If we begin getting back down there and closing daily 14 and a half or below, then I'm likely going to be wrong and we're certainly seeing higher prices in the stock market. What's the scoop down at the transportation department? Well, it even looks worse than the IWM, and this is my second favorite market-leading indicator. This was the canary in the coal mine. This is melting away. We're sitting at a very important inflection point. 10,000 is a big, fat, round number. You also have some important pivots right here that sit right around 10,000 for obvious reasons. Once and if those are breached, the question becomes... Where do we head to on the downside in the transports? Well, there's two numbers for us. 96.50, 91.50. Now, the 96.50, I don't think I would necessarily be a willing buyer of the transports if we got there in rapid fashion. Why is that? Because the transports are accelerating quicker on the downside than is the SPY or the Dow, for example, or the NASDAQ. So what I would say is I would be more erring on the side of caution and I would want to look lower. Now, I took an extreme down at 9,150. There are support levels in between, but somewhere in between that neighborhood, somewhere splitting the difference around 9,300 all the way down to 9,150 should be a buy zone for the transports. The way to trade the transports if a trader wanted to do so, is the IYT, which is the exchange-traded product that tracks the transports. There's your general ballpark in the IYT. It's actually a little higher, I put it in the IYT, than I did in the actual transportation average. But I put the horizontal trend line around 167 to coincide with the gap. Notice it's not green. I'm not 100% sure just yet. I would have to see that in real time. That's very far from where we are. I don't expect that to happen anytime soon. I'm just giving you areas on the downside that we're going to watch out for. I'm not anticipating buying the transports anytime soon. Certainly not until I see the SPY down in my green zone. So I guess what I'm saying is I'm not really sure where the transports might be when the spy gets to the green zone if it gets to the green zone so i'm going to use the s p as the gauge and we'll see in real time what other markets are doing Cues, same routine as everything else they're hovering above the 100 and 200 period moving averages we could do that for a few more days or they can break down either way they're pointed lower the trend is lower you see the 20-period moving average doing the same crossover that we discussed in the SPY. That's bearish. It just is what it is. We have to accept the market for what the market is telling us. And the story it's telling is lower prices. But keep this in mind. You're going to still get large swings in both directions. You get short covering rallies. They turn in to rip your face off rallies. Panic buying. They last for 10 minutes sometimes, sometimes they last for several days. You have to be aware, they come out of nowhere, they get blamed on a tweet or something else. It doesn't really matter, you just need to understand that they will come, they do come, and we need to expect them to come. XLF, same story, it's almost like a broken record. You could see what's going on here. Very easy case to be made for a bear flag pattern. This is a bear flag pattern. I didn't draw it very well, but essentially, that's what's going on. Is it a perfect one? No, but it doesn't really matter. The trend is pointed lower. The selling pressure is there. We just didn't see heavy institutional selling pressure, and if we do, the selling will accelerate on the downside, not only in the other markets we discuss, but it'll happen across the board the financials won't be spared and we always discuss this it's important to keep it in the forefront of our mind without the financials the market is unlikely to be going in the same direction so if we see the financials begin to rally we're unlikely to see a collapse in the stock market if we begin to see the financials melting away we're unlikely to see a rally in the stock market get too far the smh remember this one we're now just like the s&p 500 approaching the double bottom very quickly we talked about this one last week it wasn't necessarily a buying opportunity but it looked like it might have been a buying opportunity i had my eye on it we discussed it at the time again when the market is weak like this we sell the rips we don't necessarily buy the dips until we get to a green zone i'm still going to use the spy or the s p 500 as my gauge I don't really know where the SMH might be at the time the S&P 500 gets into the green zone so that's why I'm just going to use it as a gauge and these will just let them play out and fall or rally as they do because it's more important to focus in on what turns out to be the most important numbers in the S&P 500 that's what will serve us well and keep us away from bad trades and quote-unquote trouble let's change tunes for a second and we'll talk about some of the charts as it relates to the morning gap trades and stocks on the move so this one in particular s-e-a-s SeaWorld world entertainment this is the daily chart on the surface looks like it didn't work on the contrary this is the type of gap trade that happens sometimes. They're quick, they're fast. They're not all going to give us several dollars or 8 or 10%, but it's still a viable scalp trade. The level identified was $31.40. The stock closed last week at $27.25. The stock was gapping higher at the open. We came right into $31.40. Minutes later, it's at a low of 30 dollars And what you saw on the morning gap trade list from inside the numbers members that the minimum profit target was listed at 40 cents. So we got more than the minimum profit target. It happened and operated as advertised. Let's move on. Here's Gilead Sciences, GILD. This was on the list. It hit its target. But it wasn't a trade. Why wasn't it a trade? Well, this is something that I teach in the course. I also have it in the notes. We discuss this all the time. What happened is the price target was $64.49. Now, we started coming down. Look where the stock closed last week, all the way up at a closing price of $66.88. So it was getting a decent haircut. But when the stock came down, it never touched the target and it had a pretty decent rally away from the target when we came back down they did what they creeped into the price level we don't like creeping markets remember that from before it applies to stocks it applies to all charts it applies across the board so this would be classified as a no trade if it came down to the price in the morning we might be having a different discussion How about this one NTNX Nutanix same deal it creeped into the price plus it came in so late in the day nobody's gonna take that trade but it was a creeping market if it came down early in the day different discussion late in the day this is the discussion some trading days are just better than others but what you will see on the next one is the power of these numbers now here's Roku so Roku was the last one that hit its price target and what you saw is the same thing It came close earlier in the day twice and never hit the number. So I have to sharpen my pencil. That number wasn't appropriate. Came just short of it, rallied away. Came short of it again and creeped around. We don't want that trade. Only missed it, making a low of 88.83. So only missed it by eight cents and then rallied away. We don't want that either. But look what happened at the second price target. Again, this was still given out long before the market even opened this morning eighty seven dollars and 81 cents what's the low here eighty seven dollars and 80 cents now i'm not suggesting this is an easy trade at the end of the day this happened 10 minutes before the market closed so nobody's taking that trade either I shouldn't say nobody I didn't take that trade at the end of the day but look what happened as soon as we hit that price the stock ricocheted had a little bit of a rocket ride in just a few minutes away in the northern direction from that price in just minutes making a high of $88.96 and therein lies the point that I wanted to make is the numbers are what matters Some trading days are just better than others. You've all seen that. Some days we hit three, four, five trades, make tons of money. Some days the trades are so-so. And then we have some losing trades. That's just the way it works. But we're going to win way more than we're going to lose. And the numbers are the numbers. And with that, folks, it's really everything I wanted to and intended to discuss tonight, so I will give it a wrap here. I'm David Frost, My Strategic Forecast. Thanks for tuning in for another episode of Common Sense Market Analysis. My Strategic Forecast is hosted by David Frost.